So you have multiple dogs, or you're planning on getting multiple dogs, and I'm going to tell you how not to screw it up in three, two, one, now. Welcome to Don't Throw Out the Dog, a podcast to dive into the behaviors of your dog to help you understand what they mean, how they're feeling, and what they're trying to say. It's education and knowledge for a closer connection, bringing your best friend even closer. Now your host, Armando Morales. Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome back. Thank you for joining me. And I don't think I could be more sincere of that comment, thank you for joining me, than any other time than now. Because, again, uh, we are, I was about to say in the middle, but we're somewhere at the very beginning of this coronavirus pandemic thing. And uh, I am indoors. uh, And I don't know how long we're going to be relegated to being confined indoors. So right now, I feel like you're my only contact to the outside world. That's not entirely true. I'm being over, overly dramatic, but you get the point. To extend that overdramatic kind of idea, maybe at some point I'll be giving you these or sending you these podcasts from a, or recording these podcasts from a bunker somewhere. But I'm kidding. Anyway, let's talk about you. Let's talk about your issue with multiple dogs. Not that you have any issues, but let's talk so that you can potentially avoid having issues with your dogs. So there are a few things to keep in mind because having multiple dogs can be a good and bad thing. There are pros and cons, and it can go in either direction. That means that you can have dogs who, two dogs, and by multiple dogs doesn't mean just two. It can be three, it can be four, uh, although I think that gets a little bit too much at some point. But you can have multiple dogs, and they could coexist peacefully, no issues, right? You're able to manage them, you're able to supervise, you're able to lead them, Uh, And that's fantastic. Or you can have multiple dogs and things can head south quickly. Uh, You can lose control. The dogs can can squabble with each other uh, quite a bit and make your quality of life miserable as well as their own quality of life. And you don't want that. And often enough, as is the case with many dog issues, we, we either create the problem or we are inheriting a problem and we make it worse. So you want to be mindful of a few tips that I'm going to start giving you in terms of how to control and manage multiple dogs and make sure that you live in a household that is peaceful, that is tranquil, that is manageable, right? Because you don't want that kind of craziness. All right, so the first bit of advice that I can give you is that you want to know exactly why you're getting multiple dogs. I come across so many different people who have an issue with the dog. And sometimes they can't really see the issue. They can't perceive the issue or they don't know the extent of the issue. They don't know the gravity of the issue. So, for example, they have a dog who's got some kind of separation or isolation anxiety, right? And they feel, well, my dog is just lonely. So what they're doing is mistakenly misinterpreting the problem to begin with, right? So that's the first mistake. And then because they feel that the dog is lonely, they think, of course, you're lonely. You need companionship. You need another dog. And as funny as this may appear, there are so many different people who I have conversations with who think along these lines and get another dog for exactly these same reasons. Even if the dog doesn't have signs of separation or isolation anxiety, they perceive their dog to be lonely, and in their mind, they figure, well, the dog just wants companionship. I think my dog needs a little more activity. Another dog would be great for him or her to play with. But that can backfire on you. And there are a few reasons why this can backfire on you. Possibly you're not introducing them right. 
or you are bringing a dog into a household with a dog who already has a, a pre-existing behavioral issue, or you have an older dog and you're bringing a puppy in, which is not exactly the right thing to do, okay? You've got an older dog who has been well-established in the house, has his or her routine, his or her way of living the life, uh, his or her relationship with you, and now suddenly what you do is you bring another puppy, which is very different than just any other dog. It's just very different than bringing an older, more mature, calmer, stable, more balanced dog. Puppy, because of their nature and their phase of life, they're rambunctious, they're over the top, they're high energy, they have difficulty with impulse control. All of that can, to an older dog who is already, again, established within the household, can be highly, highly disruptive to their world. So you want to consider that because the truth of the matter is that your dog doesn't have a vote, right? You're not having a conversation with your older dog and saying, hey, listen, I think that you would do well with a new dog, a puppy. What do you think about that? That's not going to happen. So your dog doesn't get a say um, in whether you bring another dog or not. And if you are misinterpreting your dog's cues or signs or signals, as in my dog is lonely or my dog is bored or my dog wants a playmate, then you, you could be completely wrong. And your dog will more than off, more often than not tell you just that once the new dog arrives. So you want to be mindful of why you're bringing your dog, this new dog, into your household. I think that a good reason is that you simply want another dog because you want two dogs. You want multiple dogs. You feel that you are in, in a position to manage and control and deal with and live with two dogs or three dogs, whatever your case may be. And if that's your case, then fantastic, uh, more power to you, then go ahead and get uh, another dog. Uh, I am a dog lover. I am not going to tell someone, hey, one dog is a limit. Go ahead and get yourself another dog. My point is that you want to do it for the right reasons, and you want to do it with your eyes open. Most people, when they go ahead and they misinterpret their dog's cues, as in, you know, you're lonely, you're needy, you want the companionship, and then they realize that that, that wasn't the case with the dog, um, they're not doing it for the right reasons. I think they're doing it because, in some sense, they're, uh, again, I, mean, I hate to say this, but sometimes we just humanize the dog. We think of the dog in, in, in our terms, in human terms. So the dog is laying about most of the time. The dog, you know, looks whatever, whatever we, whatever look we are reading on the dog's face, which very often just isn't what's really happening and transpiring within the dog. So we misinterpret their, their signs, their, their visual appearance. You don't want to do that. You don't want to do that because I, I think that's not the right reason. In many cases, I feel that an older dog would much rather be alone. If you were to really have a conversation, a human conversation with that dog, there's a very good probability that that dog would tell you, you know what, I don't want another roommate. I don't want another dog, especially a young, high-energy dog. I just want to be alone. So, again, question your reasons for why you're doing this and question what, you're, what it is that you think you're seeing in your dog, which may not be anything uh, that you're actually seeing. Uh, instead, maybe find a way to engage with your dog more, to create more activity, to spend more time, more quality time with your dog. Maybe you, your dog needs more activity and you're not able to meet that activity. Okay, that's fine. And you recognize that your dog needs more activity. That's fine too. I applaud you for making that recognition or for arriving at that conclusion. Hopefully you're right. But again, a puppy is not necessarily the answer. Uh, there are many other ways that you can 
find uh, means of expending your dog's energy and bringing more activity into the dog's life. But, but a puppy is not the answer, and that should not be the answer. That should not be the conclusion that you arrive at uh, in terms of my dog looks lonely or my dog is anxious because I leave the house and uh, I think another dog would be helpful. So again, uh, let's move on, but have a very good solid reason as to why you're bringing a dog into your house. So let's say that you now bring a dog into your house and now you have two dogs, okay, for the sake of argument, is to say you have two dogs. Well, here are a few other pointers that you want to be mindful of, is that dogs, there is a big misconception among dogs and dog owners that these canines should very much define their own relationship. I want you to think about that for a second, because that's almost like allowing two toddlers to define their own relationship. And what I hear coming out of the mouth of many dog owners is, well, she's the alpha, uh, or he's the dominant one, and he's going to show everyone what's what, and they're all going to respect him and follow his lead or her lead. And I see things differently because I, I study dog behavioral behaviors, and I have been studying this for, for years, for over a decade now, and because my studies have led me to validate much of what I, what I read and what I hear uh, on, from my own work with dogs, uh, I, don't, I don't see this kind of alpha dominance thing as a very good way of allowing dogs to establish their own relationship. And also, furthermore, to go back to the earlier point of misinterpreting signals and cues and behaviors in your dog, very often when you are uh, describing or when some people describe a dog as being alpha or dominant, what they are, just, what they are actually seeing is a dog who is uh, accustomed to bullying other dogs. So bullying is a very real thing in the dog world, just like it is in the human world, and it has the same repercussions and same consequences as it does in the real world. It can be just as toxic and harmful for the dog who is bullied, just as it is for a human to be bullied, uh, and you don't want to allow it. And one major issue that I have with this whole dominance and alpha thing is that when people see a bullying dog one who goes after the other dog's resources, their bones, their food, one who growls at them at certain times, one who likes to pin other dogs down. They describe that as he's just being alpha or he's the dominant one. Uh, they don't see it in, again, it's all perspective, right? It's all perspective, but I'm, I'm telling you because it's my podcast, I'm right about my perspective. Uh, in many instances, this is not a dominant alpha situation. This is a dog who's just accustomed to doing things his way, bullying his way, and getting things done through 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 force, through through high assertiveness, through bullying behaviors and tactics. And because they're allowed to continue to do they these behaviors, these behaviors get reinforced and the behaviors just get stronger over time. Basically what happens is the dog just habitualizes these kind of behaviors towards either all dogs or certain specific dogs. Because true to the nature of bullies, they don't bully everyone. They bully those who they feel are vulnerable to their bullying. They, they bully and continue to bully those who they feel, uh, you know what, I can get away with it. And when I get away with it, the behavior is, is reinforcing. So which means I'm going to do it again with you. So you don't want to let dogs 
define what the relationship is on their own terms. Okay, that is, that is not a good thing. I believe very, very much in the value of a human being a strong, consistent leader. And I've said this before on the podcast, you can call yourself whatever you want. There are some people who get hung up over the, the, the leadership uh, label, which is silly. I, I don't know why. Um, but whether you want to call it leader, parenting, coach, mentor, you need to be the one who holds the dog accountable. So there needs to be a level of accountability. You need to be the ones who give instruction, who give clarity, who give guidance, who give direction, right? And this is, again, and, and look, I'm going to describe this as two humans, but please don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I don't mean to humanize dogs. But my point is that if you were having two small children and two toddlers um, and you were trying to establish a good relationship with them, well, I, I think the last thing most people would do is throw them into a room together and let them figure things out on their own. There would be a lot of conversation about sharing, not hitting the other kid, right? Not throwing things at them, uh, right? You you would be keen or rather you would be sharply aware and vigilant of appropriate and inappropriate behavior, and you would guide and direct that relationship in a way that you feel is going to be beneficial and fair for both children. So it's no different with dogs. So again, you don't want dogs to just work it out on their own. It doesn't work out well that way. It might, it might, just like you might have two children who get along like gangbusters. Suddenly, you know, they, they just meet for the first time and then they're just having a great time together. They just, they just gel. But that isn't always the case, right? Sometimes you have a kid who just wants to hoard all the toys. I don't want you around my toys. And then he gets angry or she gets angry and they throw things. And you can have the same thing with dogs, a dog who can get highly defensive because of the introduction of a new dog, because either the, uh, one dog wants to control his resources and take the resources of the other dog. Or maybe the one dog doesn't like the behavior of the other dog, as is usually the case with an older dog and a puppy. Puppies are rambunctious, high energy. They don't have any kind of limits, right? They don't have any impulse control. So they just want to play, 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 play. And that can rub off the wrong way to the older dog. So that be so the older dog may not have an issue with resources, but he just doesn't like his style, his his energy, the personality, the way he comes at him. So that can create a problem. And again, if there's no one there giving guidance and direction and setting limits to that puppy, then it's it, you're 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 just exacerbating the problem. You're gonna drive that older dog to a point where he just figures I need to take things into my own hand or paw. Right? I need to get a little. Uh, uh, rough or defensive with this this other dog. And uh, so you don't want to allow dogs to just work things out. You want to be the leader. You want to be the, the, the parent, the dog parent, who does give a lot of direction, who gives a lot of information, who does try to guide them in a way that shows them what's appropriate and what's not appropriate and holds them accountable. In other words, gives them like consequences for certain types of behaviors. So that's my next tip is that, again, be mindful of how the relationship between the two dogs unfolds. And to add further tips to that is that, you know, if you want to get specific tips, is that control the environment. So don't let the dog just initially, 
If you look, let's just let, let's backtrack here, okay? Because I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Let's say you bring two dogs into the house, or one. There's an older dog. There's a dog, and I'm by older. I don't mean senior, but you have a dog who has been in the house for some time. He's lived there, and now you have a new dog that you're introducing into the household. Doesn't really matter if it's an older dog or uh, or a young puppy. But ideally, what you want to be able to do is make the introduction outside and off leash. Now. I'm giving you this these pointers in general terms. You've got to have the mind to, to realize whether your dog can handle this or not. And by that, I mean your dog may have some kind of behavioral issue. Uh, maybe he's a little hesitant around other dogs. Maybe you've recognized he doesn't like small dogs, and now you're bringing a small dog into the house, although I don't know why you would do that, considering that you know that the dog doesn't like these type of dogs. Um, maybe you have a highly reactive dog and now you're introducing him to another dog. Um, I'm not saying that that wouldn't work. It could work, yes, but it may turn out to be a gradual process and you don't want to abruptly just force it upon the other dog. This is why having them outdoors, off-leash, again, provided that your dog can deal with this. You, your dog may not be able to deal with this. You may just have to put one or both of them on leash initially, which is not the ideal scenario. But you want to do it outside, preferably in neutral ground grounds. And you want to monitor uh, the behaviors that you are getting from the dogs. Monitoring behaviors during the first few days of their social interactions are is incredibly important, provided that you know what you're looking at and you're not misinterpreting the problem or misdiagnosing what it is that's actually happening. So monitoring the behavior means that you are picking up on the right cues, the social cues, but the, the bad cues as well, the wrong cues. So the dogs, because the second they see each other, they're immediately giving signs to one another. And this is these can often be very subtle. Sometimes they're very obvious, like play bows. Sometimes they are more subtle. But you want to be mindful of this. Everything that a dog does, let me tell you, everything but everything means something. Dogs don't just throw behaviors out for no reason. You just have to be of the mind to be able to pick up on the behavior and then, again, read it correctly. So let's say, for example, you bring a dog in and... Um, you have the younger dog on a leash, and you bring your older dog out. And let's just say the older dog doesn't come anywhere near that puppy, anywhere near that puppy. That dog goes out there and starts sniffing around and all that. Well, that means something. It could mean anything. It could mean a variety of things, but it means something. It's not a throwaway behavior. So you're here holding the puppy and thinking, well, I'm hoping that they get together, but this dog over there is not doing anything. Well, that dog is actually doing something. That dog is telling you something. And that something could mean either from one extreme to another, this dog makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to go anywhere near this new dog. Or this dog really doesn't make me feel uncomfortable. Maybe I'm indifferent about the dog. Maybe I just don't care at all. So you have to know how to read this and put the pieces together. I've said before, when you are trying to work out how a dog is feeling at any one point, when you're trying to make sense of a dog's behavior, it's not about the one behavior. It's about a pattern of behavior and then putting them all together, putting the pieces along all together, like a puzzle that you're trying to put together, right?
So that's one thing that you want to be able to do, monitor their behavior. Very quickly, just to review so far, is be mindful of why you want to bring another dog into your household, whether that's a second or third dog. Also, don't let the dogs, number two, don't let the dogs define their own relationship. Do that, be a, be a very much a part of that. Number three is be mindful of the behaviors. Monitor the behaviors so that you're able to just read what's going on with the dogs. These relationships can take turns uh, at any given time. But before I get to that, another thing that you want to start doing is be respectful of the older dog. And by older dog, again, I mean the dog was already in the household. But the dog was already in the household. Be respectful of his or her space. You don't want to bring in a new dog and suddenly the new dog is getting into the older dog's bed or crate or eating out of his bowl or even sometimes even immediately drinking out of the water, same water bowl or taking his toys or his treats. That can make another dog more defensive. It can make him more alert, right? That can set off uh, the wrong tone for the dog. And again, all of this is... This is all fluid. You you have to, if you're going to introduce two dogs together and you're a little unclear as, or uncertain as to how it's going to go, the direction that it's going to go in and how it's going to play out, you, you have to have like an air of fluidity to this. Like you have to be open to going down one road and then quickly diverging and going into a different direction because the dogs will tell you how this is going to unfold. And clearly you have to provide the guidance, as I said, but Again, largely, the dogs will tell you how this is going to unfold. So you have to be open to things going far better than you had anticipated or going far worse than you had hoped for. So be mindful of that. But control the resources initially at first. Once you start having a few sessions outdoors with the dogs and you feel that that's going well, then start bringing them indoors. But always monitor them. Always supervise their space. Don't let them go into areas where you can't see either one of them. Especially if, again, if you're feeling like uh, one of the dogs is a little, a little hesitant. Um, you feel that there's a little tension between both dogs or one of the dogs. If you don't feel that they are completely at ease, uh, you feel that they're tolerating each other or one of the dogs is tolerating the other more than accepting because there is a difference. And you should be able to pick up on this, right? Again, you you kind of have to be, it's very subtle. So you have to be very somewhat sensitive to what's going on with the dogs. There is a difference between them accepting each other and just tolerating each other. If you go a little too fast, that tolerance is going to break down if it's just tolerating. So be aware of that and take it slow, take it gradual. Um, again, the dogs may surprise you. It may turn around, and I've seen this done before. I have had clients consult me over situations where they have multiple dogs, and one of the dogs is just constantly warning the other, growling or, or lunging at the dog, and they don't know how it, how to do it, how to proceed, how to move forward. And we spend some time outdoors. I, in fact, I just did this about a, a few days ago. Uh, with with uh, two boxers, and they spent time outdoors. And one of the dogs was growling, the older dog, the one who had already been at the home, was growling and even lunging at the other dog through just continual sessions outside, four or five different sessions outside. 
At one point, the dog just decided, okay, I'm going to accept you. And he started bringing toys over, believe it or not. And then they kind of cut off the, the leash and they let the dogs roam. And now they are coexisting somewhat peacefully. I don't think that they're exactly there. I, I don't think the dog, the older dog, has entirely accepted the puppy yet. But they seem to be um, sharing the space amicably. They are sharing a bed amicably. So th- those are good signs. Those are good cues. So again, the dogs can surprise you in a very, very positive way, but they can also do so in a negative one. So be mindful of that. The last thing that I'm going to tell you is that dog relationships have dynamics very much like human relationships do, meaning that those relationships evolve from phase of life to phase of life. And as the dogs age, then the relationship that they have with each other also changes. Uh, It's no different than you and a child, for example. You have one type of relationship with your toddler child, and then you're going to have a very different type of relationship with your teenage child and your adult child, right? The same child, but they go through different phases of life, and your manner of communicating, of thinking of them, of interacting and engaging with them is all going to evolve and change. And that's no different with dogs and with each other. So be mindful of that. One thing that I have seen uh, that has gone, uh, that is an example of, of how things have gone negatively is I, I once had a case of two small, uh, what were they, bulldogs, two bulldogs, and they brought in this puppy bulldog to this older female bulldog who had already been in the house for about, I think it was four or five years at that point. And what they did is they are just, uh, again, as my first example, they allowed the relationship to just unfold on its own, to have the dogs basically define their own relationship. And what this older boxer female was doing is bullying the hell out of that puppy. I mean, bullying, bullying the dog. That, That puppy could not lay anywhere without her growling in his face and attempting to bite him. Uh, when he would go near her food, she he, he didn't have to go near the he didn't have to go for the food. If he just walked by a bowl, she charged at him and bullied him. Uh, when he he went ahead of her uh, at doorways, she would charge at him and bully him. And what happened almost quickly, and this is at the point at which they called me, the puppy bulldog had grown up, and he was now a year and I think four months old at the time that they called me, and meaning that he was older as far as dogs go. He was stronger. He was more confident, more self-assured of himself and the household. And the dynamics, the relationship between those two dogs had now changed. He was no longer the weak, little, vulnerable puppy. He was now a healthy, strong, muscular bulldog. And he was no longer taking her crap. So she wasn't changing her behavior. She was still trying to antagonize him, being very belligerent, very you know, very defensive, just just like bullying him. She was she was a bully. She was bullying him at all times, except because he was now older and again stronger, more confident. He was no longer taking it, and he was now getting into fights with her. I mean, he was he was just throwing down and getting into big fights. Uh, fights where she was getting bitten and having to uh, had stitches on her ear and in one in her legs as well. And it was at the point where they were just looking at each other because now they were triggering each other. Uh, and she was triggering him now. Now he was very, very hyper vigilant 
in terms of what her movements were, what her looks were, what her cues were. And when she looked at him, that's all that had to happen. He could be laying down and she would walk by at a distance, not necessarily in front of him, at a distance of maybe five, six feet or more. And she would uh, just turn around and look in his direction. And that was it. That was the trigger. He would look, he would, he would charge and he would bite and he would attack. And if that seems extreme to you, it's not extreme. That is exactly what happens when you allow a relationship to unfold. You have a dog who is not entirely accepting of the younger dog. That older dog can also be a bully, can exhibit a lot of inappropriate type of behavior. It is allowed to unfold until the point where the dynamic between the the dogs changes, the relationship changes, not in a very good way. And now you have two fight, two dogs who just basically cannot live with each other. They just cannot live with each other because it's constant fighting. And it's not just little squabbles. I mean, one is going to the, to the hospital, to the vet. So this is my take on what you can do to establish the right household for the dogs. It does take a lot of supervision. It does take a lot of vigilance. It does take a lot of direction and guidance, right? But... The point is that if you do this consistently at the onset, at the beginning of the relationship, then you should hopefully arrive at a point where you don't need that much direction and, and I was going to say supervision. I think dogs should always be supervised, but you don't need that much hand-holding, in other words, right? You don't need to really gear them or guide them in that way because they now have an established set of of standards by which they should deal with each other. And they also, this is very important, understand that there is a leader in charge, that there is a human who is actually overseeing them and they have to be held accountable or will be accountable to that human. So these are just a few quick brief tips in terms of how you can start setting off the right relationship, the right tone, the right standards of behaviors for dogs, multiple dogs in your household. So I hope that this helps. Hey, listen, speaking of help, I don't think I've ever asked this before, and if I have, I have done it so infrequently that I can't remember, but please leave me a review. Leave me a positive review if you have something good to say, and if you don't have anything good to say, then don't leave me a review at all, okay? But uh, leave me a positive review here on Apple's or iTunes. Uh, it helps me tremendously. And I think I would have had considerably more than I do now if I had asked for them. But I just don't ask for them. I just forget. So I just go into the content. But please do so. Uh, join me on Instagram. Uh, my name is Armando Morales. That is A-R-M-A-N-D-O-M-O-R-A-L-E-S. And my uh, account name is Armando Morales 77 so find me on there. Let me know that you found me on uh, iTunes or wherever you found me, that you listen to the podcast. Drop me a DM. I'd love to hear from you. And if you have any ideas in terms of uh, podcast episodes that I should do in the future, I'd love to hear them because I'm always looking for ideas, uh, things that I can share that will help you. All right. Thank you very much for tuning in. I greatly appreciate it. Again, we are still in this coronavirus, and hopefully, maybe, who knows, at some point when you hear this way down the line in the future, it will be something of the past. It will be a trivia, uh, although not a pleasant trivia, uh, that we will all have uh, lived through. But anyway, I hope you are 
doing well. I hope you and your family are staying safe. And um, don't forget to take care of your dog during these stressful times, especially if you're confined with a dog. All right, all the best. Take care. Be safe. This has been Don't Throw Out the Dog. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to this podcast to be the first to hear new episodes jam-packed with actionable tips and tricks. Small changes you can make that will make an everlasting difference in the life of your dog and your relationship with it. For more exclusive content, follow Armando on Instagram at ArmandoMorales77.